Hey, welcome back to the Reform Saint Podcast. My name is Dylan. Today we will be covering the U in Tulip unconditional election. Last time we looked at total depravity, the T in Tulip, total depravity that man is unwilling, that the natural man is unwilling and unable to come to God. That in itself is a distinctively Christian doctrine. It's not as though I'm making this up. Or is Calvinism is some new thing. It's not. It's historic biblical Christianity. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And justice is getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And justice is getting what we deserve. As we look at unconditional election... God's free will choice to choose to set his love upon his people before the foundation of the world. He didn't choose to set his love upon every, his salvific love upon every single person that would ever live. Now most Christians would agree that not everybody is saved. God elects those who will be saved? God elects those from the foundation of the world. Now, as we look in scripture, we'll start in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, which is Jesus, uh, the parable of the wedding feast. Matthew twenty-two fourteen: For many are called, but few are chosen. The call spoken of here is sometimes referred to as the general call or the external call. A summons to repentance and faith that is inerrant, inherent in the gospel message. This call extends to all who hear the gospel. Many hear it. Few respond. Those who respond are the chosen, the elect. In the Pauline writings, the word call usually refers to God's irresistible calling extended to the elect alone. Known as the effectual call or the internal call. The effectual call is a supernatural drawing of God that Jesus speaks of in John 6.44. Here is a general call is in view. Here a general call is in view. And this call extends to all who hear the gospel. This call is the great whom, whoever will of the gospel. Here then is the proper balance between human responsibility and divine sovereignty. The called who reject the invitation do so willingly. And therefore, their exclusion from the kingdom of is perfectly just. The chosen enter the kingdom only but because of the grace of God in choosing and drawing them. As we see here in Matthew 2, 22, 14, many are called. Many are called. The gospel goes out to everybody. We should preach the gospel to everyone indiscriminately. But few are chosen. Those that come genuinely repentance and faith, which is also a gift from God, are the elect, are the chosen from, from the foundation of the world, from eternity past to eternity future. They are chosen in Him, in love, Christ predestined us. Election is not some fatalism doctrine. It is it, it, Election is a doctrine of love. It's, God setting his love upon his people before the foundation of the world. God the Father elects those who will be saved before the foundation of the world. The Son comes and redeems 
and, and pays the price and atones for the elect. And the Holy Spirit brings, brings salvation to the sinner, to the rebellious sinner, to us that are called. Romans 8.28 It's right there in Scripture. And as we look at Matthew 24... 22 and if the, the this is uh, Jesus Christ talking about the uh, the abomination of desolation the destruction of the temple Jesus saying here and if those days had not been cut short for for then there will be a great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now no and never will be and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would ever be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It is all over, it is literally all over the New Testament. Constantly, the church is called the elect, the elect, the chosen ones, the elect, the elect, the elect. We are the elect. The church of Jesus Christ, the true church of Jesus Christ, is the are the elect. It's ir unmistakable. It is unambiguous. It is a clear teaching of Scripture that the, the ones that God sets His love upon are the elect. Now we look in Mark thirteen twenty. Let's go over to Ephesians one. Ephesians one, chapter one, verse three through. 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So that who, so that so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now you see here in Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 14, that predestination 
election. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before we were ever born, we were in the mind of God. God had us in mind. God chose to send his love upon us. And let's look at Luke 18, 6 through 7. This is a parable of the persistent widow. Let's read from the beginning of Luke 18. And he told them to the parable. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cried him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now this, listen, uh, here the unrighteous judge says, listen to the point of the story, namely that God, who always does right, is filled with compassion for believers who suffer, will certainly respond to his beloved ones who cry for help. Here again, God's people, the church, is referred to as the elect. Now let's look at Acts 13.48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. One of Scripture's clearest statements on the sovereignty of God and salvation God chooses man for salvation, not the opposite. This is the teaching in John 6.65, Ephesians 1-4, through 4, we just read, Colossians 3.12, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Faith itself is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. Repentance is a gift from God. God chooses those who will be saved before they are ever born, predestined them to eternal life. Now, the question comes up, why? Does God choose some and not others? Why does God choose to save some and not others? The real question is not why God choose why God would choose some and not others. The real question is why would God save anybody? We are all guilty. We are all worthy of hell. By nature, we are children of wrath. We are all guilty. There is none righteous. Romans three ten to eighteen. There is none righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one is good, not even one. We all deserve hell. We all deserve eternal punishment in hell. Now that is a that is not easy to under, to, to grasp. That is not easy to swallow, but it is what scripture teaches thoroughly. That natural man cannot does not understand things of God. That we by nature are children of wrath. John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up in the last day. We see here that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent Jesus draws him. Only those whom the Father gives the ability to will toward him 
will actually come to him. The drawing here is selective and efficacious, producing the desired effect, which efficacious means, upon those whom God has sovereignly chosen for salvation. Those whom God has chosen will believe because God has sovereignly determined that result from eternity past. As we see here in scripture, again, I labor the point, no one, John 6:44. no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. No one, he didn't say no one may come to me. He said no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to come to Christ unless God draws us. And that drawing is efficacious. Here in John 6:44, that drawing is efficacious. It is not a sort of provenient grace, as some people would like to say. It is God drawing his elect unto himself throughout redemptive history. Now let's go to Romans 8.33. Let's start at 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's go to let's start at Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that is effectual calling. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. See, so we see here, these are active verbs. God is the one who calls. God is the one who foreknows. God predestines. God conforms god calls god justifies god glorifies you cannot break this is the golden chain of redemption foreknown predestined called justified glorified it is god's doing it is by god's doing that we are in christ jesus god's doing god is sovereign in salvation we are not sovereign we are not god now i understand this doctrine is not easy to accept no mere man would make this stuff up this is what scripture teaches. Election is rooted in pure grace. The church is called the elect, the chosen ones. Church, by definition, means the called out ones. The elect is a designation of the people of God. The Bible teaches all men are on their way to hell. And God chose to rescue some and he endured the others. Romans 9 teaches this. The Bible teaches this. God is active, as we've seen through these scriptures, God is active in redemption. Believing this doctrine does not mean that we don't believe in human responsibility. That we don't believe in the fact that man, the fact that man is also responsible. These are two things taught in scripture. God is sovereign salvation, also man is responsible. But above all, God is sovereign. We are not. God is God. We are not. I am not God. I'm not sovereign. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. God is God. God is holy. God is righteous. And God's going to get his glory through all things.
he will be glorified. Let's take a look at uh, Romans 8.29 again. Those For those whom he foreknew. Now some people would like to think that foreknew is, is God looking through the corridors of time and seeing who will be saved, who will choose him, and by that information, learned information, he chooses them, he predestines them. That is a faulty view, and that is not a correct view of foreknowledge. Foreknowledge here in Romans 8.29 is not a reference simply to God's omniscience, that in eternity past he knew who would come to Christ. Rather, it speaks of a predetermined choice to set his love on us and establish an intimate relationship. And unavoidable intimate relationship he predestined us be conformed to him as your son the goal of god's predestined purpose for us for his own is that they would be like jesus christ this is the prize of the upward call god predestines god foreknows and that foreknowledge is 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 to him choosing says love upon it is an intimate word used here and it means that he says his love upon he chose says love upon his people the people he chooses freely by his grace by his purpose by his will he chooses those who be saved and that's his free choice not ours we're not free we are slaves to sin by nature we are children of wrath is a slave free no they're not we know that god is free to choose those who will be saved we don't know who the elect are god knows god has chosen those who will be saved before the foundation of the world. Now we see through scripture throughout the New Testament that God is sovereign in salvation. That we are not sovereign. We're not holy. We're not righteous. We don't have the free will to choose God. God chooses those who will be saved. God has the free will choice. Not us. God owes us nothing. What God owes us is justice. That's what we deserve, justice. We deserve justice. But God chooses to send his grace and his mercy. Again, grace is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve the grace of God, and it can't be demanded. By definition, grace can't be demanded. Mercy can't be demanded. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We all deserve justice. We all deserve eternal wrath of God in hell. God elects those before the foundation of the world we are we come at his feet empty we have nothing to offer we throw our hands on the cross and realize that god is god and we are not and that is foundational we will be looking over the ellen tulip next time limited atonement